0: Good evening, saints. Please turn with me in your copy of the Lord's Word to Matthew chapter 7. This evening we will be in verses 15 to 20, but we will read up until verse 23 because there's some stuff that he's talking about there that's similar that follows on from what he has said um, in the passage above. Hear the Lord's word. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is God's word. Well, this evening we come to uh, uh, a, perhaps an unpopular aspect of the Lord Jesus' uh, care for us. If you were asked how is the Lord Jesus a good shepherd, how would you answer that question? What What makes the Lord Jesus a good shepherd? You would probably say he's a good shepherd because he knows his sheep. He knows those who are his. And that's correct. You could say that he is a good shepherd because he saves his sheep. He doesn't just know them, but he, he saves them. He brings them back into the fold. And you are correct. You could say that he is a good shepherd because he provides for, the, for his sheep. He doesn't just let his sheep around unprovided for. He actually cares for them and gives them what they need at their due time. If you said that, you would be correct. One other aspect that the text in front of us brings to our attention is that the Lord Jesus is the good shepherd because he points out the dangers for his sheep. So he protects his sheep by pointing out the dangers that his sheep are faced with. In one sense his sheep are faced with the danger of themselves. His sheep are sinful. They have the old man living in them and that is a danger that his sheep need to be aware of. In another sense uh, his sheep have the issue of the world, the world that's out there trying to influence his sheep to go astray and the Lord Jesus talks about that elsewhere. But here the Lord Jesus wants to to warn his sheep about those who come from among his sheep to lead them astray. He wants to warn his, his disciples here as he's coming to the end of his sermon on the mount, he wants to warn them of those who would come and lead them astray and lead them not into green pastures. And so those he's warning them about, this is the whole point of the passage. He says, beware of false prophets. That's the whole point of the passage. I want you to be aware I want you to be warned that that there will be false prophets. Now, in studying these false prophets, there are a few things that we need to think about just off the top. And we need to think about first who they are not. Just, because, just from the description, who they are not. Because sometimes we can get this question of false prophets a bit confused. So when the Lord Jesus here in his sermon talking about false prophets that we ought to be aware of, Who is he not talking about that we might be tempted to think he is talking about? Well, number one, he is not talking about the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, throughout his, one would understand why you would be tempted to think that perhaps the Pharisees and the scribes are who he's talking about because throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he's been saying, don't be like the Pharisees and the scribes. But actually, it's not the Pharisees and the scribes Because there's two reasons, at least, much more, but let's just let these two reasons suffice why the false prophets here are not the Pharisees and the scribes. Number one, the Pharisees and the scribes do not call the Lord Jesus as a group, Lord, Lord. Did you notice that? These people come in sheep's clothing and in verse 21 and 22, they say, Lord, Lord, to the Lord Jesus. So as a group, the Pharisees and the scribes do not say, Lord, Lord, to Jesus. They they killed him. They rejected him. So that's not who he's talking about. The second reason why uh, the Pharisees and the scribes are not who the Lord Jesus is talking about is because in Matthew chapter 23, the Lord Jesus tells his disciples to do what the Pharisees and the scribes say because they sit on Moses' seat. He says, don't be like them. Don't follow their morality. Their morality is putrid. But what they say... Because they sit on Moses' seat, you ought to listen to what they say, of course, for the era that he was talking about uh, during the time in the shifting of the ages, between the age of the Jews into the age of the Gentiles. We're saying, what they're telling you, do it, because they sit on Moses' seat. And the Lord Jesus, you can't imagine the Lord Jesus saying, listen to false prophets and do what false prophets tell you to do, right? He wouldn't do that. So that's, so that's not who he's thinking about. Okay, so then who else is he not talking about? False prophets, the way that he describes them here, the, the ones that he's thinking about are not confused, unwitting unbelievers who happen to speak what is false. Right? What he has in mind here are those who are disguised as sheep but are ravenous wolves. And why does he call them wolves is because they have a particular intention. So this is not some unbeliever who happened to tell who happened to tell you out there something that is false. You need to be aware of this unbeliever out there who's saying false things. That's not that's not in the mind of the Lord Jesus. In the mind of the Lord Jesus are those who are among us pretending to be something that they're not with a particular intention in mind. So this is not to say to you, be aware of the world, or be aware of people out there in the world who are speaking. This is not Maybe he can talk about that in another place in a particular context, but here in front of us, he's not talking about the world at all. Get the world out of your mind. He's talking about internally. And the the converse of that is true. If we know that he's talking about those who are internal, then maybe we can start getting worried that, well, what happens if I say something that is false? You know, what if I was a young believer at some point and I happen to teach what is false? Well... These are not believers who happen to speak what is false. A true believer who happens to speak what is false does not equate to a ravenous wolf. Right? Because, he's, because when you were a true believer and you happen to say what is false, sincerely perhaps you did not know what you were talking about and you spewed some nonsense, you told somebody uh, to, to pray in a weird way, or you told somebody that, you know, they need to have faith for something because that's what you had heard, but you were just being sincere. You didn't know. that does not equate you to what the Lord Jesus says we need to be aware of. You're not what this is talking about. Uh, an unbeliever who, happens, who is immature, who happens, to hear, who happens to say the wrong thing is not equate, does not equate to a false uh, teacher. In the same vein... They are not leaders of other religions. The people that he's thinking about here are not leaders of other religions, Hinduism or Shintoism or whatever it is. Uh, These people, they come from among the disciples. These are the ones that we need to be aware of, those who are in here. This is an internal discussion. This is not something to warn you about other religions and say, be aware of the, the, the prophet of that religion or the leader of that religion. It's not really that. The other religions are obvious. You don't really need to be told to beware of them. right? You know them because they don't don't talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't don't exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. You already know that they are going in a different way. What he wants you to pay attention here are those who are internal. So if it's not those categories, it's not Pharisees or scribes, it's not uh, confused, unwitting believers, it's not Believers who happen to speak what is false, it's not leaders of other religions, then, then who, who is it? Who are these people that the Lord wants us to be aware of? Well, he describes them for us in a manner that helps us identify them. First, he says, they are dressed in sheep's clothing. He says, be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Beware of those who come to you in sheep's clothing. This means that these people come to us dressed like one of us. Now, the, the, the imagery here is really vital because they are not like us. You catch that? They are dressed like one of the sheep. They are not a sheep. This, help, this tells you a, 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 there can be no true false teacher in the way that the Lord Jesus is talking about who is truly a believer. This person has put it on, is dressed like one of us, but he's not truly one of us. He has another intention. What does it mean to dress like believers, to to put on the clothing of uh, sheephood? Well, it means that they talk like Christians. They, they, They say they aspire to what Christians aspire to. They do everything outwardly that looks like what Christians you normally do. They participate in all the external markers of a Christian. Uh, they, these people perform, they, have, they do a lot of the Christian acts, and in many ways, in, in very real ways, they actually participate in the Spirit's power. Some of them do. So let me, let me show you what I mean. Uh, in this if you look down to verse 21 he says not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven so these people say lord lord right and it's a it's repeated to tell you that these people have said lord lord their life for a long part of their life they say to jesus lord lord they don't call themselves lord lord They don't call somebody else Lord, Lord, no. You'll hear from their mouth, Jesus is Lord. You'll hear from the mouth a lot that Jesus is king and ruler. You'll hear that in different ways, in different forms. And the Lord tells us to be aware of them because they are putting on, on their mouths, what Christians put on, right? They put on their mouths, they dress on their mouths, our confession that the Lord Jesus is Lord. In fact, in Matthew chapter 24, there's a few ways you can you can interpret that particular verse, verse five. But one interpretation, which I lean towards, in Matthew chapter 24, verse five, it uh, the Lord Jesus says that they are asking him. So what, the, the disciples are asking the Lord Jesus, what will be the signs of your coming? And the Lord says, Beware that many do not, that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And I take that to mean they're coming and they're saying Jesus is the Christ. They're not necessarily coming and saying that they are the Christ. They're coming and saying Jesus is the Christ. So we need to be wary. Just because somebody says Jesus is Lord and they're in front of a group of people teaching does not necessarily mean that these people are not ravenous wolves. So now you can already be starting to wonder, Whoa, how, do I know, how do we know truly then if somebody is a ravenous wolf? If they are speaking like us, doing all the external things, going through baptism like us, well, just hold that thought. The Lord Jesus is going to give us the key. The other aspect of their dress, the the other aspect of their dress in sheep's clothing is actually found in Hebrews chapter 6. I I want you to come there with me for a second. I want you to see this for yourself. Hebrews chapter 6. This is another part of their dress. That actually shows you how serious this is that these people are really come from among us. Now, the writer of Hebrews here is talking about the possibility, the reality of those who are among us and them leaving us. But I want you to see the language that he uses of those who are among us and the strength of what it looks like when somebody is here among us. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 4. He says, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted of the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to, holding him up to contempt. What is he saying? He's saying there's a real reality of somebody who's here among us participating even in the spiritual power here among us but not being truly of us. It's possible that somebody now you can imagine that then you take that then to somebody who's up front teaching they appear to be preaching in the Spirit's power. They appear to be preaching and teaching in, in powerful ways that affect people's lives. But if they are not truly born again, if they are not truly one of the sheep, then they are not counted among the people of God. And it is possible that, uh, and in fact, a lot of false teachers come that way. They were a part of us here, and it seemed like something powerful was happening, but then later on, they revealed themselves as to who they are. This, of course, is the same thing that the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 20, when he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian, to the, uh, Ephesian elders in Miletus, he says, he's, he's, he's weeping with them, saying, you know, I was with you all, I went house to house, and then he's weeping, and he says ravenous wolves will come even from among you, talking to a bunch of elders who are weeping as he leaves. He's leaving them and they're sad that they will probably never see him again. And the apostle Paul is weeping and saying, I'm sad because even from among this group here, there's going to come ravenous wolves who will not spare the sheep. I hope you are starting to see our problem. These people come from among us. What the Lord Jesus wants us to be aware of is what's among us. The people that we seem to be participating in the Spirit in, the people that we are... Partic- imagine, just imagine Judas, right? When they all go out and cast out demons and they, they participate in the Spirit's power. The scripture doesn't say that they come back and everybody was participating and everybody was casting out demons except Judas. It doesn't say that. They all come back together, including Judas, excited. Wow, we were casting out things here. We were doing this there. Wow, amazing. Look at what we were able to do in the power of the Spirit. So these people that we are to be aware of look like us, talk like us, say the things like us. They say they struggle like us. They are trying to read their Bible like us. Everything that we're going through, it seems like on the surface they are basically identical to every believer. Um, But he tells us why we are to be aware of them. If we are to be aware of them, he says, they wear sheep's clothing. But the reason we are to be aware of them is not because they wear sheep's clothing, but it's because, he says, look at what he says, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves inwardly they are ravenous wolves this imagery is exactly as it, how it sounds these people are putting on for the sake of being of pillaging they are ravenous wolves they want to devour you they want to divine who do wolves devour wolves do, do not devour grass right wolves do not devour trees wolves do not necess- aren't necessarily known to devour goats. Wolves devour sheep. That's who the, who the that's who de- who wolves are. The hungry wolves want to eat the sheep. They want to feast on the sheep. They seek to pillage. Let me give you some examples of these people. You remember Simon the magician We saw him, of course, together in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. And what did Simon the Magician do? Simon the Magician was fascinated. You remember when we went through that in Acts chapter 8. He was fascinated not by the gospel that Philip was preaching. He was fascinated by the power that Philip had. And he wanted this power. He even wanted to pay Peter to give him this Holy Spirit power so that he can do the same things that Peter is doing. Why? Because for Simon the magician, the desire was not to follow the Lord Jesus, the desire was to pillage, was to use this power so that he can grow his magician ministry. He wanted to abuse the Holy Spirit, tap into the Holy Spirit so that he can become bigger and bigger. He was, he was so huge in some area that he wanted to become bigger. And here was Peter, here was Philip and Peter coming and they seemed to have a bigger power than his so he just wanted that power. For him it was purely financial. It was not necess- it was not about it was not anything about righteousness or holiness but it was purely financial. Here's another example of this ravenous wolverine. Come with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and look at how Paul describes it there. 1 Corinthians Sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at what Paul says describing these why these people are like this. He says this. He says, he's just finished telling in verse 3, he just finished telling Timothy what he ought to teach. That is the true doctrine that Timothy ought to teach. And then he says this in verse 3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine... Okay? So here's somebody who's coming, teaching something different, something that does not look like what Paul said, and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, would produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Listen to this imagining that godliness is a means to gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And then Paul goes on to tell us, to talk to us about contentment. We came in here with nothing, we'll leave with nothing. Wait, Paul, weren't you just warning us about a false teacher? Why are you going on talking about contentment now? Here's the reason. Because the false teacher comes and tells you that this godliness that we have is a means to financial gain. These people are not just coming in just for the teaching these wrong things, these evil things for the sake of it. They are teaching it because they want to devour you. They want to take from you what you have. They want to pillage you. They are ravenous wolves inside. They're not confused about what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know. They're aware of what they're doing. This is not someone who's confused. This is somebody who is putting this on, acting so that he can gain something, gain your, gain your trust, gain your, your love, and ultimately gain your purse. And of course, if you are aware of false teaching in South Africa, you'll know that it doesn't just end with the purse sometimes. Sometimes it, these men devour men's wives. These men have harems, right? Telling people, telling, telling women that, no, this is not adultery what we're doing. This is holy and spiritual because I'm the the anointed one, you understand? It's, It's to pillage, it's to feast on the people and to use this position of being up front for the sake of eating, for the sake of taking away from the people of God. That's why we ought to be aware of them. We ought to be aware of them because they are ravenous wolves. They are motivated by their hunger, right? It's interesting when you read Peter talking about them. Um, Peter says in 2 Peter, we will read that in a moment, but it's interesting. Peter says in 2 Peter, he says, like animals, creatures of instinct, they can't help themselves. Well, have you, you, you ever seen a wolf? What does a wolf do? Like when you're seeing, um, you know, National Geographic, wolves are hunting in a pack, always, trying to find food. That's all they do. It's It's just coming out of them. It's the same with the false teacher. All he wants to do is devour you. Can't help himself. He can try and cloak it as much as he can, but at the end of the day, he'll try and devour you because that's what he does. That's what he is. So, in all of this, we're saying that these people look like us, these people speak like us, and we ought to be aware of them because their true nature is not like us. They're not truly sheep. They're actually wolves. They want to destroy us. So how do we know them? How do we distinguish them? How do we know that this is a wolf and this one isn't? If, if they look like us, if they speak like us, if they seem to have the same ambitions as we do when they speak, when we're together with them, then how do we know that they are that they are wolves and that we are to be aware of them. How am, we, how am I supposed to mark them and say, okay, this is a guy I'm supposed to avoid uh, and this is a person I'm not supposed to avoid? How do you know the difference? Well, the Lord Jesus tells us in verse 16 up until verse 20, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gather from thorn bushes or figs from thistles so every tree, healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into their fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Oh, so we could talk, excuse me, we could talk a lot about the different the different fruits. What does the Lord Jesus mean by their fruits? Let's start here. Uh, there's an answer in the text, and then there's an answer that's not necessarily in the text, but we, we will look at. The answer that's in the text is right there in verse uh, 23. After the Lord Jesus says to them, these false teachers, depart. He says after they've come to him and saying, Lord, we did all of these things in your name, this is what the Lord Jesus says to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this is the, the testimony that you find throughout the scriptures. False teachers, false preachers, as much as they try to cloak themselves, inevitably they will show themselves by their lifestyles. They can't help it. Their lifestyles they will always, generally, always show what is inside of them. When the Lord Jesus says that you are, these men are workers of lawlessness, he means that. He's saying they live with no law. God gave a law. Jesus gave a law. These people don't live by it. They live by other things. So their lifestyle is sensual. Their lifestyle has no, has no, solid, has no holiness in it. If you were to go through the scriptures um, and look at these, these different false prophets you will find in a lot of the time the mark on them is a breaking of a clear commandment of the Lord it's not ambiguous it's obvious I'll give you some examples in Jeremiah 23 verse 14 the false prophets are adulterers also in Jeremiah 23 verse 14 and Micah chapter 2 verse 11 they're liars they don't just, they're not just adulterers, they're liars. They're treacherous in Zephaniah verse three, verse four. They're just full of treachery, often trying to manipulate and deceive people. In Micah chapter three, verse 11, we're told that they're opportunistic. They're trying as much as they can to get as much money as they can out of the people. In Isaiah 28, verse seven, they are described as being drunk, as not being stable, they're constantly drunk. They always often want to drink and 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 therefore they reveal themselves it's their lifestyle that shows us who they are what truly is inside of them come with me to second peter chapter 2 and peter says this in very clear very clear ways as he describes for us these false prophets second peter chapter 2 from verse 1 but false prophets Also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master of both, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Hardly needs interpretation, right? Many follow their sensuality. When you see sensuality, a love of the things of the world and encouraged lust after earthly things. Food, drunkenness, sexuality, a, 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 just taking everything and, and, and blowing it up, greed, wanting things and wanting more, and they are fueling that in people. The more you see that in them, and you see people following them, and then you see people saying this religion this, the way of truth, this gospel, what's the point of this gospel? I mean, if you're in South Africa right now, in Johannesburg, you know this, right? It's one of the hardest things about talking to people in Johannesburg about the gospel. I mean, for me, it's actually quite hard to tell people I'm a pastor. Not because I'm ashamed of that, but just because I know what people think about pastors. Uh, unfortunately, we no longer living in an era, there maybe was a time, I don't know, but certainly right now, just the, the average middle-class person in Johannesburg hears you say you're a pastor and they think, Ooh, they start holding their purse close to them. and They hold their, their pockets and their credit cards. Why? Because you, we, you, we're not trusted anymore. The way of truth is blasphemed because of them, because of their lifestyle. Because of, and look at what he says in verse 3. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. So this is, this is them. This is what they look like. They are sensual. They have sensual lifestyles. But the other thing is what is said by Pete. So if you're thinking about fruit, you think about their lifestyles. Their lifestyles are lawless. But what's also lawless is their teaching. It's heresy. It's wrong teaching. It's a different doctrine. It's not godly teaching. It comes first, okay, because it's an angel, like an angel of light. It comes first saying the right things, but as you listen to it, you understand this is a different teaching. That teaching reveals itself over time. And Peter tells us this. He says, he, like he just said just now, who will seek, look at this, but false prophets, 1 again of chapter 2, but false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Did you hear that? They don't overtly come with their destructive heresies. They bring them secretly. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. It grows just a little bit, a little bit. They, they say enough truth to make you think this is right. But the fundamentals of what they're saying comes in, it seeps in small and small that these things are destructive. These things are heresies. Some of the heresies that we see in the scriptures that the apostles themselves have to deal with, some of them that John had to deal with, they said Jesus had no body. Matter, matter is bad. They're telling people don't get married, don't touch, don't taste, because matter is bad. Jesus has no body. And then John says, no, 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 that's nonsense. Anybody who says that is the Antichrist, because that's false teaching. It's bringing in a destructive heresy. You might think, well, I mean, maybe it's an intellectual discussion. You know, Jesus had no body. What could that have what implications could that have? But that has massive implications for life to understand what it is that God has for us. To say Jesus had no body, it's just, it sounds spiritual. Of course, at the time, it really sounded spiritual. sounded like it's next level uh, spirituality. But in reality, it was destructive. Some had said and that Paul had to deal with in Thessalonians. Some of them said that the resurrection had see, happened already secretly. And you can already imagine the kind of chaos that would cause among the people. Some of them bring syncretism. They say, no, 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 you don't have to say no to all of the things that you knew growing up, you know. You can put it all together. There's a way to make it all work together. Why are you saying no to the ancestors? The answer, God knows the answer. Didn't God say He's the God of Isaac, who's it? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, of course, then, God is the God of your forefathers. And therefore, put it all together. Go talk to your forefathers. See, it's putting things together, syncretism. Now, it sounds like it's a small thing trying to bridge a gap, but it is destructive. And the things that they produce are not churches. They deny, they, they deny the Lord Jesus and his majesty. Now, while they say Lord, Lord to him, in reality, in a lot of the ways that they speak, they deny his majesty. You think of the Jehovah's Witness, they deny his majesty entirely while they pay lip service to him. But they're denying his majesty and his glory and who he is. And in general, as we see even in the letter to to Theatira by the Lord in in Revelations chapter 3, they entice people towards sensuality. They're teaching. When the Lord says God's people have to live a righteous life, these people say, no, you can add a bit of sensuality. So here's the point. A false prophet always reveals themselves because they cannot fake their inward being. That's what Jesus is saying. A good tree cannot bear, bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear bad, bad fruit. Good fruit, sorry. <laughs> so he, just here's an application. Don't make excuses for them, right? Right? Or maybe let's say it in a different way. How do you know that you're being duped by a false teacher, that a false teacher is getting you when you're starting to make a lot of excuses for the way he lives and the things that he says? When you start to protect him and make excuses, when he's revealing himself, because he can't help but reveal himself. He's going to. He's going to reveal himself. But when you start saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, I mean, who are you to judge? I mean, we're all... That's when you know that person is being deceived and wrapped around they have, they, have, they have won that person. It's amazing to me the amount of people in Johannesburg who are clever, who are running businesses, CEOs, and they honestly take Bushiri seriously. It makes no sense to me at all. It, it literally, like the guy is, is, is obviously fake. He's obvious, it's, it's, it does not take a lot to see how obviously fake everything he does is. And how much of a liar he is! You just need to dig five minutes into his history, and it's just—it's bare. And yet, you'll find—I remember when he had this court case, and he was running away. Was it a year ago or two years ago? He ran away from South Africa. You saw all these very suited, very clever people defending him, because they are duped. They are not listening to the to the words of the shepherd when he's saying, "They—you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by what they produce." So do not worry, this is not to tell you to worry, ooh, I need to make sure, is Michael a false teacher? Oh, I need to make sure, Oh, I need to watch out, no. Just watch Michael's life, that's it. Watch Mpumelelo's life, that's all you have to do. As soon as Mpumelelo's life or Michael's life starts going in a particular direction and starts going strongly, regardless of what he is saying in general, but as you watch the life going on, you should get off the boat very quickly. Because a, a true ravenous wolf cannot help but reveal himself. And that's where we find hope. Because the Lord Jesus has told us. You see, this is how the Lord Jesus is a good shepherd. He warns us from destruction. These people want to pillage us. The Lord Jesus wants to protect us. They want to destroy us and eat from us. And, and, and abuse us. The Lord Jesus wants us to be healthy and whole as his sheep and he wants to bring us to himself. He wants to cleanse us and wash us and he's growing us in godliness to be more like him. While well, these guys don't care really about the state of our souls. They just care, what can I get out of you? So we praise God that we have a shepherd like the Lord Jesus. We praise God that we have a shepherd who will never abuse us a shepherd who will never deceive us. In Christ Jesus, we have the great shepherd who not only tells us the truth, but heals us when the truth breaks us. Amen.